Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to today's Luck on Sunday podcast. Today, journalist Chris Cook, jockey Noel Feely and trainer Richard Hughes are all chatting about the Breeders' Cup at Churchill Downs, the best of the action over the jumps over the weekend, and we'll hear a bit more in-depth analysis from former three-time champion jockey Richard Hughes, as well as catching up with leading owner Marwan Kukash. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Uh, and now I'm going to start with you because you're the one man who's been busiest uh, on this panel. You were at Down Raw yesterday, and Monolee was obviously the main ride for you. Um, how was Monolee's comeback? How was the action at Down Royal? I was very happy with him. I thought it was a good run. Um, ground probably would have been a little bit quicker than he would like. Uh, he gave seven pounds to the, to the winner in the second, and uh, I thought it was a good run, good first run back. That's the story with Down Royal. It's good that uh, obviously racing uh, continues, but there was a, uh, a a few moments of doubt earlier in the earlier in the in the week, and I, I'm guessing the atmosphere. What was it like yesterday? It was a big crowd there yesterday. Some great racing, so um, I think they'll be okay um, going forward. And there's always a good atmosphere up there, and it's always a good meeting. And I think yeah, I think they'll be okay going forward. Fingers crossed. Uh, Hughesy, uh, busy for your training life now. You know, hundred hundred percent of the time you're, you've got something to do. Uh, mm -hmm. But I guess you've also spent a bit of time to, to take in the British Cup last night. Yeah, it was good fun. I watched it all. Um, it's hard to keep awake watching it, but it was uh, pretty exciting stuff. It was good. Yeah, that's when you have to wake up so early. Chris, of course, staying up late is no, no trouble for a man of your ilk. <laughs> well, yeah, there's been an awful lot of that in the last 18 months for one reason or another. But, yeah. you know, how could you not with the quality of racing yesterday? Absolutely. It's just gripped by it. Well, let, let's get into uh, uh, a look at the Breeders' Cup from, from yesterday. Uh, obviously, the, the two-day meeting has provided... Uh, loads more opportunity for European runners but the one focus of yesterday's action was Enable and Enable going for the historic success that so many great horses had failed Dancing Brave, Saki, Golden Horn, Found uh, were the three of you were, you, were you confident that she would be able to, to deliver? Were you confident John Golson would have her ready? I think so um, for run the arc was obviously very good and they were saying after that she probably might have got tired in the dying, dying strides of that race so, so there was always a chance she was going to improve a little bit uh, having had a light start to the season so um, look, she's a hell of a good filly and, and what a ride by Frank Egan Yeah, the, the finish of the race, funny enough at Husey was fantastic between her and Magical it was a huge gap back to the rest of the runners Yeah, just showed um, the two out and stairs came to the four um like they really opened up on the field, but uh, it just proves that maybe a fresh filly you can do the two. You know what I mean? But in previous years, if you're you're going all year and you're on the arc and there, you, you, it's hard to do. But yeah, um, maybe they found a way to to win both. I mean, I guess you know that was the that was the thing a lot of people were talking about going into the race, uh, Chris. <laughs> Which side of the coin were you on? That she's fresh, so she'll have a better chance than the previous arc winners, or she went into the arc perhaps a little undercooked. So had a harder race than perhaps Connections would have wanted with a view to going to America? 
in the end, I did my usual idiotic thing of trying to get the favourite beat and, and feeling <laughs> stupid afterwards. But, but I mean, yeah, and objectively speaking, you, you had to have every hope that she would be the arc winner who, who could do this. Because, as Richard says, it's not like she started off in April and, and danced every dance. Yeah. They had an unfortunate first half of the season with her. But it's worked out really well. And, I mean, if, I, I don't know if you can find another example of a flat horse that started the year with a, that kind of leg injury. You know, enough to keep her off for months when mm. you really would like to be racing her. And then she's ended up winning two races of this quality. Oh, it's it's a, an astonishing it training performance, isn't it? I think yeah. it was brilliant. Like our first run back, he ran around the all-weather, which you don't have to be 100% fit. And he right. knew that, John. So he, d he avoided the, you know, the bounce factor that they call it. Yeah. So he's very cleverly the way he plotted his route. Yeah. Yeah, he actually said that was the last thing he said as he was disappearing out the gates at Kempton. Was oh no, no, she'll never bounce from this. You know, she hasn't had a hard yeah, because race and the already can run eighty percent fit and get away with it. Where does where does she rank in the the list of the the top class mile and a half middle distance horses? Not just not just fillies that you, you think. We're, we're saying that she she might have just needed her run a little bit in the arc. How many horses could need her run in the arc and still win? <laughs> yeah. I think that's how yeah. good she is. Yeah. But this is stems back from the Judmont operation. Um, when I worked for them for seven years, they had a bible of mares, like a book looked like the bible. That many mares. So it. There's been an awful lot of money invested, and this just didn't happen. This mm. is years of producing good fillies. Uh, that's, a, that's the key point, isn't it? I mean, all the success that Judmont have had at the Breeders' Cup, obviously, with, with homebreds. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing, the horses that they've produced. And then there's this willingness as well to keep a horse in training, you know, perhaps longer than other people would. We saw it with Frankel. Mm. And we all have our fingers crossed that we're going to get another year out of Enable. I mean, you, you could maybe, if you were going to be really hard-nosed about it, you could look at the arc and, and this race that she won last night and say, those aren't the best quality editions of those races that have ever been run. So if we want to find out how good Enable really is, you know, let, mm. let's have another year and a full program of races and, yeah. and see how she can do. Well, if you look at the, the statistics of the horses that have run, won the arc and then gone on to compete at the Breeders' Cup and look at the names that feature there, obviously Found and Golden Horn, Dylan Thomas, uh, some of the, the modern great names that we've seen racing. Saki before that, uh, Subotica, Sormarez, Trampolino, and of course, arguably one of the greatest middle distance horses we've ever seen in, in Dancing Brave, and they all failed. So just ignoring the, the strength of the, the field in both the Breeders' Cup turf and yeah. the arc. I mean, that is a tremendous list of horses that she has now superseded now. It's unbelievable when you look at that list, but um, look, she's, I think she's very, very good. And, and look, you said maybe we weren't great races, but they were, she's still gone and done it. And, uh, and I think she's very, very good filly. We should put in a word for Saki, shouldn't we, looking at that list? Because, I mean, he's gone in the classic and got done about that much by one of the great classic winners. And you also know, a that, horse nearly twice his size as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It looked like he could turn around and eat him, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> would you keep her going next year, Husey? Um, personally, I don't think she has to prove anything. She's done enough. What more does she have to do? Uh, knowing, knowing Prince Khaled Abdullah like you did, obviously, from your time, and the, the type of adventure he liked with his horses, would the challenge of winning the arc for a third year in a row, perhaps? If it was ten years ago, I think she'd have been retired. Really? Mm, but I think it's changing. We're seeing these horses run a little bit longer. Yeah. They have enough mares to go breeding from. Mm. to have stallions, let's enjoy the ones that are racing as well. Yeah. No point just packing them all away. There, there is a sense, you know, he hasn't said it in public, I don't think, that this owner enjoys seeing his horses racing, mm. maybe a bit longer than, than ever he used to. 
Well, Frankie Dottori is nodding away furiously when uh, I think Lucky was asking <laughs> Teddy Grimthorpe whether she'd stay in training. Frankie said, yes, please, yes, please. And John Goldston came out with a funny line about the number of kids that have to go through college. So, it's what, a, what are Frankie's spending habits if he still needs the money? Honestly, <laughs> I can't believe... Let's, let's not go there, Chris. <laughs> let's yeah. not go there. Uh, it's too early in the morning. Uh, right, um, Frankie, though, let's focus on, on Frankie because he had a double on the card and again another Jodmont uh, winner in Expert Eye. But what I'd like to ask you Noel is the trainer Sir Michael Stout, what a performance in getting this horse Expert Eye's head right. He's, he's a very fantastic trainer isn't he? Um, I didn't actually see that race last night but uh, he's been a great trainer for, for years and you know he's just done it again and yeah. he's just yeah, fantastic trainer. When you saw this horse in the Dewhurst last year then in the Greenham then in the Guineas uh, Rich, what did you think? Do you think that I think Sir Michael's a king of patience, you know. Um, he was good in Newbury. I still didn't think he'd win the Guineas, um, but he's nurtured him to get him here. You know mm. what I mean? And I honestly didn't think he could win yesterday. Yeah. Really didn't. But he just seemed to eke every last ounce out of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, it is incredible. I mean, I'd sort of given up having seen him win at Goodwood last mm. year. I thought, wow, this is amazing. Then. By the time we got to the Guineas, I was like, look, maybe he's, he's got away from, from the great man. But it's been, as Hughes says, a gradual uh, progression. I mean, the Ascot win was amazing. Mm. And you sort of look at that and think, oh, OK, he's, he's going to be a superstar. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, it didn't quite happen. It's taken another four months from that to get last night. But he, yeah. Yeah, I find him convincing as a proper group one horse. He was really unlucky with the run he got in France right. the time before. Um, and then it, it worked out better from last night, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And Frankie Dottori, as good as he was on Enable, was even better on Expert Art. I know he didn't see the race, but Rich, from a, a rider's point of view, how good was Frankie where he was positioned through the race? I think he was four or five wide. He's brilliant. Um, he knows he's a little bit edgy of a horse, and he was in a position going into the first bend. He took him out of it. Yeah. He knew if he got into a barge match, it was going to be only one way it was going to go. So we took him out of that barging match mm. and then sneaked him around behind him. He was, he was brilliant, he was. It's unprecedented the double he did last night as a jockey. I don't think any jockey's won the mile and the turf in the same year before. Good um, and he's, he's, he's only had three rides at the Breeders this year, um, which makes you think, you know, what are these other trainers thinking that, that aren't going, oh, Frank is not on this one, let's, let's have him. <laughs> he's he's got to be one of the greatest big race jockeys there's ever, ever been anywhere. Yeah. Um, and he's 48 next month, you know. Well, I think somebody mentioned, I think Michael Caulfield mentioned it on, on social media last night. For any, any person watching this program who is in their late 40s, like some of us on the panel, uh, to think about being as physically fit and as physically disciplined to do the job that Frankie's doing, you know, just for a, a normal person who lives a normal life away from sport or training sport, what sort of determination and desire must you have? He obviously works very hard. He looks very fit, and he's he's riding better than ever. So he obviously looks after himself well. And uh, but an unbelievable jockey on a big day. Like he always seems yeah. to be in the right place. Um, very very intelligent rider and fantastic yeah. to watch. You see, you're obviously I think you've given you Frankie's got about four or five years older than you. I mean, can you imagine? You obviously called it a day at your age because you had other pursuits, obviously. But can you still be think you still be doing it, doing it to that sort of level? Um, yeah, I always wanted to go and train, so I said, it, you can't do that 
when you can't, you can't leave it too late. So I quit while I was on top. And but the good thing about Frankie, he's very agile. Mm. And people don't think Frankie's a weight problem. If Frankie went mad for two days, he'd wake up nine, ten. <laughs> he really would. So Frankie's natural weight would probably be ten stone. Mm. So he has to work it his way too. So it's a credit to him. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai. And we're switching our attention to, to jumps racing, something that obviously you, you both know a great deal about. Uh, and uh, Noel, we touched briefly on, on yesterday at uh, Down Royal and uh, Monolly's return behind Snowfolk. It was a great day for, for trainer Noel Mead. Um, let's just specify a bit more about Monolly and, and what would be the plan uh, for, for him. I'm not sure what the target will be from um, after tomorrow, uh, but I was I was very happy he settled really well yesterday. Which he was he was quite keen on some of his races last year. Mm. I thought he was very settled yesterday, um, much more grown up, strengthened up a lot. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back up and trip maybe later on in the season. I was going to ask but, about it because yesterday's was two, just short two, two and a half. Two and a half yesterday. Yeah. Um, um, he did go three obviously in the RSA yeah. last year. He was quite keen and quite keen at Punchestown, so. Um, that was the reason for starting him off over two and a half, but uh, it was good to see him more relaxed yesterday and you know, a bit more grown up and race, race properly. What do you think will eventually be his best trip? I think three miles will be his trip eventually when he, when he switches off. He, yeah. he does stay. He, he obviously got the trip in the, in the RSA, even though he was doing plenty early. Um, you know, you get three mile around Cheltenham, you get three mile anywhere eventually. Yeah. Uh, and and ground-wise, watching him jump away in the RSA he looked to be enjoying himself yeah. the majority of the race yeah he wouldn't want um, he wouldn't want quick ground because then it's you know, slow side of good good mm. stuff like that, he'd be fine uh, Richard you catch much of the action I saw from yesterday down Royal with uh, Noel Mead's Road to Respect who looked really good I thought it was really refreshing that Noel Mead has bounced on to the same it's usually Gordon or Willie yeah. and uh, Noel Mead's been training as long as I can remember uh, a brilliant trainer mm. and he's in the he was Probably training for 10, 12 years ago. Mm. And he went in the doldrums a little bit with the takeover of William Gordon doing so powerful. But I think it's great to see Noel back. What, what do you think about how the, the, the training uh, setup is in, in Ireland? Because a lot of people point to that huge domination of, of William Mullins and, and Gordon Elliott and how difficult it is for the likes of Noel Mead. How healthy is that? I don't think it's healthy at all. Um, a lot of lads gone under in Ireland and... Um, can't stop anyone being the best at what to do. You know what I mean? Willie and Gordon, they're doing brilliant, and I'm not knocking them in any shape or form, but it's not healthy for the sport. Uh, the flip side of, of progress often results in someone suffering for that progress, uh, and whilst Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott have made huge progression over the years, uh, as Rich says, it has it has affected a, a large number of people. What do you think about the situation there? You'd rather much more sort of plurality, wouldn't you? Um, and we have it in this country too. You know, um, there's the jumps. The top jumps horses are in very few hands. Mm. Um, I think maybe there's a trend, isn't there, for owners, you know, increasingly to want to go to the big name, whereas you know, twenty, thirty years ago, they would be with the local trainer or with someone who was a friend, or you know, they just someone who was recommended, and then they would stay with them. But mm. um, but now I think you know owners are more into demanding results and, and expecting sort of top line treatment. Yeah. It, it's, if, if Willie's got space for your horse or, or Gordon Elliott, why wouldn't you go there? You know. Yeah. Um, just on Road to Respect's performance yesterday, uh, it looked the type of performance that's made him a serious contender already uh, for the Gold Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, but I suppose he's not, he wasn't that far off. He finished fourth in last year's Gold Cup. Um, 
Yeah, he's, a, he's a very good horse last season. Uh, won at Leperstown on Christmas. Um, sorry, we could build on that a little bit. You know, he's, not, he's not far away, but uh, mm-hmm. a good performance yesterday. Yeah. Um, obviously, Jiggenstown uh, dominating that race yesterday again. I mean, obviously, not just the, the training angle of it, but we talk about the, the ownership angle. And yesterday's race, I think there were two horses, the JanWine.com champion chase, two yes. trained by Jesse yes, Harrington, Harrington yeah. and the rest of the field made up by Jiggenstown. I mean, we're talking about Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott. Well, most of the horses are running in Jiggenstown colours, aren't they? Is that good? I think I think Ireland Irish racing is so small. Um, JP McManus sent a lot of horses over to England yeah. to, just to spread them out and dilute it a bit yeah. because it was the fear that might happen. Yeah. I think that's the main reason he sent a lot of horses to England. That's you know, yeah. um, I must admit, I don't regret it because you never get that sense with those Jiggenstone horses that you know it's all been sorted out in advance. <laughs> you know, they're, they're genuinely yeah. competing with each other, aren't they? You know, if they come from different yards, yeah. you had I think three different Jiggenstein trainers represented in that race yeah. yesterday so sure who are the owners that you think is sorted out <laughs> well I don't know I'll wait till I got the mic off before we talk about that Richie but um but yeah, I mean, you know, that that doesn't bother me. It's, it's a little bit of a pain with the colours. You know, basically you're looking at the caps, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. But, you know, once you get used to that. And in the Irish National, when that comes around, you've got 12 or 13 different Jiggenstein caps. So. Commentators are geniuses, by the way. <laughs> We're not <laughs> complaining, though, when it comes to Cheltenham. The Irish have a huge stronghold. <laughs> right, well, as an Irish point of view, um, you're yeah. quite happy for to be dominating the big yeah. races over there. Well, uh, a trainer who has been dominating relatively, certainly yesterday at Down Royal, uh, it was Noel Mead with a treble. Noel, uh, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Uh, no, just describe yesterday for you and uh, how much you enjoyed that treble. I should look at when you go to the races, you know, you think you know you have good chances and uh, you keep your fingers crossed, things go right. Um, most of the time they don't, <laughs> but everything seemed to go right yesterday. It's, it's, it's just fabulous, you know, when things when it works out like that. Well, let's focus on, on Road to Respect, first of all. Uh, things going for the majority of the race, okay. Uh, then you get to the fourth fourth last, uh, and then suddenly after that, he comes on the bridle and, and looks magnificent. Yeah, he got... He, originally, when, in the beginning, he was he was a bit uh, free, and he, he, he was inclined... That's why he runs in the hood, because he was inclined to take a bit too much out of himself, but... He's got very relaxed, and Sean has got him to a tee now. He yeah. had, like he had him really settled in the sand of his neck, and he was, he was just lobbing along. And even he said he was even, you know, he was behind the bridle at that stage. He was, you know, he nearly wondered was he there at all. You know? <laughs> and uh, he threw an enormous leap. I think it was like the fifth last or fourth last, the last yeah. one it was. And the minute he landed, on, he sort of began the uh, the going into it, and he just winged it. And from there on, he just went on to the bridle, and it was a crest, you know. Well, from where I was looking at, don't go too soon, you know. <laughs> uh, no, obviously, uh, we mentioned here in the, the studio he was fourth in the Gold Cup last year. How much do you think he has improved, if you think he has improved at all, and how realistic are his hopes of, of winning the, the big one this year, or this season? Yeah, look, he, was a, he, he ran up the Gold Cup as a seven-year-old. Uh, he... He's, he's summered very well. We we run the races a lot heavier yesterday than we've had before. Right. And I think we probably uh, learned a good deal about him in just getting him to his peak. I think he's, he's asked for probably his best when he's just when he's when he's just more undercooked than overcooked. If right. you know what I mean. And uh, I I would hope he would improve. Yeah. You know, he's a huge big horse. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a big he's a, he's a strong. 
heavy horse, and, and I would hope that, that he's settled into his frame now and that he will, he will have improved quite or he looks like it today, uh, yesterday as if yeah. he did. And, and what will be the, the, the route to the Gold Cup from here? I actually haven't spoken to so, um, I about it yet, but okay. I would imagine that he will go back to Leopardstown for the for the the next Christmas, and then whether he runs in the in the one in, in back to Leopardstown again at the end of January or not, I don't know. Uh, we didn't do it last year. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe we might do it this year. That would be up to debate uh, for debate. But I would imagine it'll be all all systems go for that. Well, you also had a big race winner yesterday with Snow Falcon. Now. That was a, an excellent performance from a horse who, who looks to have found himself already this season. Uh, am I right in thinking that you're looking at a step up in trip for him in future? I mean, where do you see his future lying in terms of, I don't know, two and a half, three miles? Yeah, look, at he's... He, he's always a very good horse. He might have been a little bit unlucky. His, his jumping over the was always a little bit sketchy. He was in trying to miss one out and take it out himself. He was traveling very well in a race, but you know, I mean, Harry won in, in Newbury one day, and he, he came down, I think, at the second lap or third lap, when he was going well. He was he was third in the entry hard, and he was yeah. very close third in that. He was always a very good horse. When we started jumping fences with him, uh, Sean always thought that he was he, he had he jumped fences much better, and that whereas he, he was probably a great two or so hurdles, he thought he might open first to be the third one or so of we didn't really get there as a novice, but I think we we, we brought him. He won the, the uh, a two mile flat race here, and then he went and was second in the Irish of Arrowhead. Yeah. And we brought him to uh, Newmarket for the English race, which was on a very fast ground. And I think that sort of checked him a little bit for the season. And I don't think he ever he was just as good as he could have been. And I think he's a lot much better with given plenty of time between his races. And Hopefully, he can get right up there to be a grade one horse over the, over the, the, the three-mile trip. Oh, excellent. W uh, was the King George mentioned at all for him? Possibly. He'd certainly be entered in it. Right. Uh, and he'd be entered in Leopardstown. And he, he, I, would, I wouldn't think... He is entered in the in the Leopard Trophy, but I would right. have to see that him having a lot of weight. That yeah. wouldn't be that bad about having a, having a go if, it was, if he was very high in the weight. Unless something like now and again, that's right, that's Cody Gray or something like that, they did right. it, kept them down. If not, I would imagine he'd probably wait till, till Christmas. No, congratulations on a great day today, uh, yesterday. Thank you for joining us today, and uh, hopefully the excellent run that you're on, I think it's uh, seven or eight, or maybe more than that, ten winners in the last uh, couple of weeks, continues. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much to Noel Mead. Of course, um, we talked about his, his uh, big winner, Road to Respect, obviously running in the Jiggenstown's colours. Now, one thing that didn't go the way of Jiggenstown this week was the return over hurdles of Sam Crow. Uh, what did you make of his comeback run, and was it perhaps just a case of fitness in his defeat? Um, I'm not sure if it's a case of fitness. Um, if we give any hearts, we get him beat. I suppose what I didn't like maybe was that he travelled down the hill and he didn't he didn't quicken. I, I expected him to pick up a little bit better than that. Um, yeah, he was beaten by a race fit horse. Um, I suppose it'd be interesting to see what he does next time. That'll be the that'll be the telling point. But I would like to have seen him pick up a little bit better from from when he came off the bridle. What did you make of the race, Reg? You and Arabels, you'd have to say it. He's going to. They're leading towards the champion hurdle. Mm. Should be able to quicken down to it in the last hurdle and go and win. 
Um, alarm bells, but I don't think Gordon, they don't leave Gordon Elliott's yard unfit. Mm. So it's definitely, listen, it might be way behind him after his next run, you forget about it, but... It, it, obviously, it'd be wrong to judge what will happen for the rest of the season based on, on his first run. Let's do it anyway. But do it. Mm. And also, surely, for a horse with the reputation that he had, it sucked the life out of him. I think that's what's working against Sam Crow, isn't it, is the fact that he has this reputation to live up to. But to put it in perspective, I was just looking at Racing Post ratings there, um, and they've got him running to 161 on Friday, which is actually, believe it or not, a career best for him. Um, so, I mean, that's, for, for according to them, that's two pounds ahead of when he won the Cheltenham race. And I was supposed to guy time for him. They're going to have him rated not quite that high, yeah. but but high. Uh, I mean, the fact is, he's giving weight to race foot rivals at a stage in the season when he's not. You know, he might be fit, but he's not at his peak, is it? He's got bits mm. to work on. Uh, stable mate Apples James being the twos on in the same race was it last year. Um, so I, you know, I'd have every hope that we're going to see a, a better, more impressive Sam Crow further down the line I mean I, I know there's a lot of people out there who wanted him to be going over fences I wanted him to be going over fences and then you know, maybe their instinct looking at that result is to sort of you know crack open a bottle of schadenfreude but um, <laughs> but he's not going to be going back over fences they'll, surely they'll give him at least one more chance over hurdles and I'm sure he'll be let's better. say you were the rider of I don't know a potentially smart herder like I don't know Somerville boy you're not going to be worried about Sam Crow now are you? well yeah you're definitely still worried about him <laughs> um, but uh his next run will be you know, important. You'd like you'd like to see him uh, quick, at least show he can quicken up yeah. um, between the last two, which, which he didn't do the other day. So um, yeah, you, you forgive us one, one run, you know, you can forgive him, but yeah, you would like to see more next time. Yes, definitely. See more from uh, from Sam Crow. Uh, but, of course, uh, we will be bringing you news of how he progresses uh, as the season goes on. Uh, we are looking back, though, at the big chase race yesterday at Weatherby, the Charlie Hall chase, uh, which provided uh, Yorkshire-based uh, success, but definitely red under Danny Cook. Black Horton ran a mighty race in second. Um, what was your take on the performance of the winner, Chris? Uh, a really good performance, but one the sort of performance you'd expect from this horse. You know, he's um, when he gets favourable conditions and a small field seems to help. Um, you know, he's a brave little beast. Uh, first Yorkshire trained winner of this race yeah. since Cybrandian. It just and it gives me pleasure just to say Cybrandian's name again. <laughs> um, you know, I was a kid when going to the race, and yeah. you know, I, he was one of the first horses Cybrandian I'd seen off the telly, and you see him in the flesh, you go, "Wow, that's him." Yeah. Um, I mean, an amazing stat. Not a great Charlie Hall, is it? But I mean, I'm, I'm pleased for the connections of this horse. They've got another big day out of it. No, obviously, yesterday, Rich, there were a lot of non runners at, at Weatherby. The ground is proving to be very, very difficult for everyone to manage, for the jumpers especially. Well, it's a horrible time of year, and the Clark and the horses know that if they water and that they get a shower rain, it end up bottoms very quickly, and then it's ruined for the whole year. So they're trying yeah. to hang off and water. Well, what we have got uh, is Danny Cook on the line. Morning, Danny. Morning, everyone. Well done yesterday. We're just watching you uh, patting definitely red down the leg after yesterday's win and receiving congratulations. Um, talk us through his performance and, and how good you think he was yesterday. Um, I, I, I thought he was really good. Um, look, obviously, the race wasn't as probably good as it could have been, but... Um, he, he can do nothing but beat the horses that he was uh, racing against on the day. Like, he, he jumped off, he got into a lovely rhythm um, from fence to fence, nice even gallop. Um, and then when I asked him to pick up turning in, he just 
dug his neck down and really, really grounded it out, you know? Uh, I think a lot's been made over the fact that he, he excels in, in smaller fields. Why do you think that's the case? Um, I don't necessarily think that's, that is the case. He's won the, um, the Grimfork. There was a good few runners in that. Um, he won the, um, the Cotswold. There was a good few runners in that. I love it. Obviously, he has won a few four or five runner fields as well where he's been able to dominate. But um, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a necessity. I just think he was fresh and well on the day. Mm. I think at the end of last year, he had a few hard races. So um, he, he was the season kind of told when it comes to Chel Cheltenham Gold Cup. He kind of... Uh, um, was the end of, at the end of his tether a bit, but he, he was fresh and well now, so um, I'm hoping we can go on from this today, um, yesterday. Well, obviously, when he won the, the Cotswold Chase or the Many Clouds races, as it's, it's known from now on, uh, that was a, a performance that put him in the picture for the Gold Cup. Do you still think he's a, a realistic, top-notch Gold Cup contender, or perhaps just a grade short of that? Uh, maybe a grade short. I, I, I don't like to disgraced sure, too much sure. he's been a good good, good, good pony for me so um, I look he, he gives his running wherever he turns up he gives his best and whether it's good enough on a day or not um, it's one of them really but at, at the end of the day he, he's been a good pony to me and he'll always give his always give his best I think I, I read somewhere Danny that you said that his racing style suits you uh, suits your riding style what, what, what's, what's the explanation behind that? Um, I don't know. A lot of people would probably think I'm a, like a forward-going jockey, and um, I, I just like to get into a nice rhythm with my horses, let yeah. them see their fences, um, jump from fence to fence, and then um, then then wind it up from the front. So it, he, he seems to enjoy it, and it, it, it suits me, and it, it suits him as well. And you touched on the fact that you know, obviously, he's been a very good horse for you. What what does a horse like that mean to to a rider like yourself? Um, well, I'm seven wins out of 13 rides on him now, um, and they've all been decent big races. So, yeah. obviously, it's nice to ride the big Saturday winners, and he, he's the one who, who keeps doing it for me, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm very lucky to be in the, in the position that I, 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 luckily enough, I get on with him, for starters, and, uh, and Brian Ellison and uh, Phil Martin keep putting me up to ride him. So, I'm very lucky. Is there a plan for where, where he'll go next, Danny? Is that still to be discussed with, with the team? Um, he may be going back to the Many Clouds at Aintree at the beginning of December, um, a race he won last year. Um, so he may be going back there for the grade two. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'll leave it up to Brian and, and Phil, but I, I'm sure that'll be um, a possibility. Danny, thank you very much for jo joining us today, and very well done on Definitely Red in the Charlie Hall Chase. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks a lot to, to uh, Danny Cook. Um, and although, of course, that was a big moment for Danny and uh, definitely Red and, and Brian Nelson Connections, there was a, a fascinating recovery. I say fascinating because to watch it as someone with no core strength, uh, watching Bryony Frost hang on to uh, Black Corton after that mistake. Noel, talk us through this moment. Yeah, I think um, Black Corton was probably a bit gassy early and was just... He was really a bit keen, dragged her down. I think she thought he was going to let fly, and he propped in the last second and just got her, got her a bit more forward momentum and shot her up in the air a bit. And luckily, the horse was still underneath her when she came back down. Well, obviously, great that she's got back in the saddle, but great how recovery, much does it yeah. help that that the horse is is as uh, pliable as he is? But the horse stayed straight, which is which is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, but it was just the fact that he propped and shot her up in the air a bit and. Yeah. 
but in fact he stayed straight and kept going. You know, so when you're when you're falling over like that, uh, when she was originally going over the top, what what part of your body are you using to hold on? As in, what, what anything, <laughs> every single bit of <laughs> <In> your fingernails. <laughs> no one wants to hit the ground. Is it no the core one. strength that that enables you to do that? Or is, is it the, 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 <laughs> not the fear of falling off? It's just the. It's a natural reaction. It's just to try and scrape yeah. on and hang on. Yeah. I mean, the horse ran <laughs> on and hang on. Yeah. I mean, the horse ran an incredible race, considering that mistake, and uh, got back into it. I mean, the way it's worked out, you couldn't even be sure it's cost him a whole lot, could you? I mean, you, 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 you yeah, stayed upside down the horse. Yeah. Kept going forward. That's an incredible paused moment, isn't it? Looks like she's doing a pirouette yeah. on <laughs> top of the horse over the fence. What, what about? What about? Brandy Frost and, and you know, the guys in the book, obviously, she definitely tried to jump off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and the thing then she's gone over the next fence without any irons, well, certainly without one. That was probably yeah. the most impressive thing, Brian. Yeah. She, uh, she, she sat tight and she had no irons, and you wouldn't really notice that she didn't have irons. Yeah, it was only watching the replay or something. Yeah. Yeah. She's still getting her pedals back. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. And the right is green with the Dalit Jalaika. Temperature is up here on the outside and he'll get there and cleverly too. And a beautiful ride again. Richard Hughes wins the Sussex Stakes. They go to the line again. Skyline Tone, Richard Hughes wins up for his classic. This talent, another classic from Richard Hughes, who won the investigation. Coronado coming home, Charlie Bradley, it's Coronado's day. A jiggy back from Richard Hughes. Soul Power, he's just cruising behind the elite of the racing room pretty soon though. They race towards the line, and Soul Power bursts for Antarctic. What a ride by Richard Hughes, he's won the number of Soul Power. Here's you watching those pictures and you're looking quiet and, and, and calm and collected, but surely when you see those magical moments and hearing the commentaries and the brilliant <laughs> ride, beautiful ride, what sort of uh, emotions does that stir in you? I miss it. <laughs> no, it was great days. I was very lucky. Um, and I, I loved it, every minute of it. Uh, if you don't mind, we just you know we've got a few minutes to chat here at our leisure. So go back to the start. Obviously, your your father, uh, your family, a huge influence in your decision to to be involved in the sport in the in the role that you you took. Um, were you always though going to be a jockey, and were you always going to be a flat jockey? Yeah, I was. Um, from the time I was seven, I wanted to be a jockey. And going to school, and people would say, "What are you going to do when you grow up?" And when they didn't know, I thought it was really weird. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? So um, all I had in my head was being a jockey. And I remember, you see how I used to ride coming late? Yeah. From when myself and my sister would ride around the paddock at home. There was a paddock by the yard there, and there was a telegraph pole, and it was, it was the winning post. And Sandra used to ride her, um, she'd know slow pony, a hunter. Yeah. And I used to give her six or eight lengths head start around the field. And then I'd turn for home and I'd just try and nail her on the <laughs> right by the pole, and we'd go around there for hours. Wow. Who and I used to love doing it. Wow, perfecting. Trying to time that I'd yeah. get her on the line. You know Amazing. what I mean? Uh, yeah. And then your your route into riding, of course, obviously in Ireland, and you you, you came over to the UK. Um, when did you know that you wanted, you know, you wanted to go all the way and you wanted to be uh, an, an elite rider? 
Um, I always wanted to be riding in England, and I remember when I was about 17, I said to him, I want to go over to England, and he wouldn't let me. He knew I wasn't ready. It was a bit wild. Um, it's probably the best thing that did happen, that I wasn't too young when I came over, yeah. because you wouldn't be sitting here, that's for sure. Um, and I went through trials and tribulations of my alcohol problem, and I got over that. Mm. And I realised when I was riding for Hannah, and I was doing really successful now, mm. when I, I noticed that at a time in my career, Ryan Moore started to get going, and even the apprentice in Hannan's. Yeah. And I noticed there was a stage when I knew I wasn't performing as well as I should, when I seen the way Ryan was performing, and I knew why. And that was? That was the alcohol. Uh, and uh, you, I, I, I saw a, I remembered that you did a brilliant interview with um, Mick Fitz, uh, a while a while ago, uh, back in the BBC yeah. days, uh, and an extremely open and honest interview. Well, it, it is what it is, and um, I'm not going to hide from it. And if hopefully, the trials and tribulations I went through might be helped someone else, the younger that's coming along, that mm. has the same feelings. Uh, I think you said something along the lines of when you were having your problems with alcohol, whether you rode a winner or didn't ride a winner, there was no difference. Yeah, and I kept winning. That was a. Uh, you know what I mean? It would be probably better off if I had a bad run and I was forgotten about it. But I kept winning. And people would say, well done, and the guilt was uh, horrendous. Well, how, how did you cope? Or Actually, not I cope? don't know. So I used to drink alcohol. the coke, you know. And, yeah. um, I got through it anyway, and it's part of growing up. And yeah. I'm very grateful that I became an alcoholic now because I'm very forward thinking now and I appreciate what's real in the world and and speaking of appreciating what's real when you're going through things like that the people around you are the most important thing to help you through it yeah family and I had Lizzie there to support me and um, yeah I was very lucky I had all that so I've been lucky all my life and then to become champion jockey that was just a bonus well so you became champion jockey in 2012, mm-hmm. uh, and then you won it for, for the next three years. What was that period like, being the top dog in the way? I loved, I loved it. Um, I worked hard to get there now. And, um, the fear of not being champion when I was champion was huge. It kept me driven. The first year I wanted to do it, and I'd yeah. done it. Yeah. I was runner-up numerous times, and I wanted to prove I could do it, and then I'd done it. And then I said, well, I better prove not a fluke. Mm. So it was a huge drive, and my agent, Tony Hine, he worked tirelessly now to get me there. Yeah. Um, and I had a bit of help, plenty of help along the way riding for Richard Hannan, the amount of winners he gave me. Yeah. Bloody hell. You'd have won them. <laughs> yeah. on. No, but it was. And he, he, he was good, up. but he's not that good. Um, it, you, you talk about winning the championship and Tony Hine's effect, and, and the way the championship is, is changing and things are obviously different, and the desire to win the championship... You sometimes see some riders, obviously now, they, they concentrate on big races more than they concentrate on the championship and they ride sparingly. Yeah. Is that right? I don't know if it's right or wrong. Um, I suggest that, that just to help the prize money, the race courses bring more money to the tracks, I suggested that any race worth less than four or five grand to the winner didn't count towards the championship. And then if Richard Hughes or Ryan Moores or Sylvester Souza stopped going to Bath. Yeah. It might just help them put the money back into it because definitely it, it does help when those riders are yeah. there. Yeah, and it also will open up to riders who don't have. The yeah, same it would help them as well. We don't really want to go to ride f- five or six. Of, yeah. So it would help those guys too. So yeah. either way, it would have been a plus. But they've messed the championship around a little bit. And yeah. Racing has evolved and it's a bit different now. There's much more racing. Yeah. But I remember when I was riding, I'd rather go to Bath and ride four winners or three winners 
then go to York to ride four rides, one with a half a chance. Yeah. I'd rather go and ride winners. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, if you are talking about, you've mentioned obviously the alcohol, obviously weight is an issue that affects, and you know, your, your, your height would have been an issue. How much was, how, how difficult was the battle with weight, first of all? How much was alcohol related to weight? Um, I think it'd be a lame excuse to blame. I, I think you're born, but it's, it's in your system. My brain wasn't worked properly to, when I started drinking, that was it. Um, whether it was a food or not, maybe it accelerated at the mm. time, but I still believe I am what I am. And, yeah. um, the waste and, and, the, and doing the weight, that was part of it. Yeah. God, if you didn't have to do that, it'd be too easy altogether. Because <laughs> uh, well, often, you know, speaking to, to you at the races or people around you saying, oh, Husey's in the sauna, or Husey's mm-hmm. sweating, and mm-hmm. uh, I think you post, we've seen photos of you in, in, in the bath yeah. at home sweating, sweating, no, sweating. No, that's, I'd, have, I'd have cut my own arm off if it meant. I'd have had to do it that way. I would have done it. Really? Mm. What's that mentality? I just, I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. I remember being in school, and one of the teachers brought me aside and said, Richard, what if you're not a jockey? You know, your education. And I kicked him and nearly got expelled for it. Because <laughs> it, it was no other. Really? I was going to be a jockey, and that was it. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Um, let's, let's talk about some of the, the good horses that you have sat on over the years, uh, helping you to nearly 2,500 two winners. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> um, Camford Cliffs, the best? Yeah, that you the read? best, yeah. Now... Ryan would probably get one of them every year, you know what I mean? But in my career, he was the best because he was he had so much talent and he was so fast mm. to get the mile. Everyone said he wouldn't get a mile. Mm. And eventually, we, we had to do it on the race course to prove them wrong. When did you know? I, mean, I remember being at Newbury when he won first time out. And he beat a horse that was quite well fancied. I think, uh, Extension. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, no, Rakan, um, who ended up running behind him in the commentary. But <laughs> a lot of people thought uh, at the time, Camford Cliffs is different gear. So at what point... Before he he ran, did you first, first morning I ever sat in him? I said to Richard, I said this is the best horse you ever trained. Oh, oh, Senior, and he drove away. Said that lad's gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> but he really was. He was yeah. just like sitting on a Rolls, it was a Rolls Royce. And this was the Coventry, and actually everything went wrong at the Coventry. He got upset down at the gate. He hit the gate a hundred mile an hour. He half ran away with me, and I was sitting on him going, oh, he'll fall in the hole any second. That's right, I changed my hands, he just took off again. It was an extraordinary performance that day, anyway. And the horse that you beat in the maiden at Newbury is in second. Uh, mm. uh, uh, it was extraordinary watching it at the time, because we've seen, I mean, Three Valleys won the Coventry extremely impressively. Yeah. Camford Cliffs won the Coventry. But what, what made you confident that he would go on from there and, and be a star? Well, I knew he, he can't be that good and not just you know, get a mile and do everything he, he was well, he did have to learn to race properly that's the only thing I would say Yeah, that performance messed him up for a little bit, even the following spring, it, it affected him you know yeah. uh, another Royal Ascot victory for, for Camford Cliffs came uh, in the Queen Anne and you're tracking a, a very good horse at the moment, a horse who would prove herself very outstanding in, in Golden Cove. But this, for, for anybody watching you over the years, this was almost an archetypical Richard Hughes ride. Yeah, well, Camford, as, as brilliant as he was, I'm not saying he was soft, but you'd win your race once in him. He wasn't a grinder, and you had to use every bit of speed that he had to good effect. And if I was going to go buy something, I'd go buy them once, that was it. So I couldn't be in the front too long. 
and, and that surge though because obviously you've ridden horses with really good turn of foot the likes yeah. of Paco Boy mm. or, or Toronado was his surge the best surge that you could feel when he quickened up on a racehorse yeah he was brilliant and you'd, you'd sit on him all you had to do was move your head <laughs> and he'd move out really? and just take off yeah fantastic but yeah never rode one quite like him yeah, yeah. well Paco Boy also gave you some some great memories uh, look back at, a, at his Queen Anne victory um, and again it's it's that I'll wait for the gap and you also talked about you know being the last one off the bridle yeah the normally I was drilling to me from a very young age the last jockey to go for a stick normally wins and you know that goes right through down to your from a selling player to a group one and I always felt that why would you want to kick on three out when you didn't have to I just still don't understand it why yeah. you would I know some horses are grinders but if you have them all beaten why would you kick on Stay beside until you have to go and win. But have there been times where you regretted? I'm sure over your career there would have been. But you regretted waiting too long. No, and I used to, like a lot of jockeys, used to come in and say, "God, I thought you were going well, Richard," and you fell in a hole. I, yeah. I'd be sitting on nothing a lot of the times. Yeah. So perception of seeing the race, oh, he's going really well. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be going that well. I think we were talking about your, your riding style a bit earlier on, and uh, obviously you mentioned about being the last one off the bridle or last one to go for your stick, mm. but. Over the years, there would have been times that punters, you know, and I'm, I'm a punter, and there would be times I'd have been watching you thinking, oh, he's cruising, Richard Hughes. Why, why didn't you go for it sooner? And there would have been times that you frustrated punters. Do you feel that that's oh. just, that goes, that's, goes with the territory? Yeah, I'm a good hard neck, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Fallon, myself and Fallon were, were 10 years to get it right on the top of our profession, and he was a complete opposite. He'd be rolling around, and you'd go up and think you're going to beat him, and next one he'd grab hold of him and beat you. Yeah. But just two totally different styles. Yeah. Um, and do you look at, at riders today and feel that even some of the you know some of the top guys perhaps rush for their stick and and go too soon, or would you like you know do you like to see more patience? And I don't think so. Your school of riders, really good riders. I don't think there's um, everyone's a little bit different. Just hmm. um, as the likes them up there in the van, I love the way he rides. Like nine times out of ten, he's going to win because yeah. he is the best position in the race. Yeah. He gets out of stalls a lot quicker than most guys. Yeah. But um, little things like that. What, what, what sort of ride? Obviously, we've got a whole list of rides that you've, you've produced over the years. But what would be the ride that perhaps has given you the, the, the most satisfaction? Because watching you delivering what seems like a plan, where you've thought it through, and you think, this is the horse I want to follow, I'm going yeah. to challenge at this point in the time. It looks like, you know, like a work of art without wanting to sound uh, I think sloppy. Personally, the, the most satisfaction I got was um, Chris Elliott in the British Cup. Because simply because I went over the year before in Sky Lantern, yeah. locked up fourth or fifth down the rail, yeah. and it didn't open. Yeah. Just didn't open. You know, I, was, I couldn't do anything about it. Every time I went to come out, another one came on me outside and pushed yeah. me back in again. Yeah. And I went back the following year, and I rode a work, and I thought she was an absolute certainty. Mm. really did. But I knew I had to ride her properly, and that was leave her down the fence, bury her. And if I locked up again, I probably <laughs> would have given it seriously, yeah. but it didn't. Yeah. I had great belief in what I was doing was the right way, yeah. and I gave her a lovely ride. Yeah. It, it's so nice to hear jockeys, jockeys say that about giving a horse a lovely ride. So many times when you interview a jockey after they've won a ride, and you know that they've given a, a jockey, a jockey, they're giving the horse a <laughs> cracking ride, whether it's Brian or Frankie, yeah. even guys like Frank, 
when we used to interview you, you said, yeah, and, you know, credit to the trainer and all the people and all the team. Yeah. When I want you, well, it'd be lovely to hear you say what you said. <laughs> I know I've given that a great ride. That is a brilliant ride. And you yeah. see them pointing at the horses. I, 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 I wish I know, I used, to, I used to come into the weigh room sometimes, but I just learned that there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> just saying them. Yeah. It was, um, that was all part. I, I love riding horses. I loved, I wasn't afraid to lose, you see. Yeah, and I used to get a lot of stick off a lot of punters in the book yeah. and you know I, I didn't mind but yeah. maybe that's why I was on the big day I was able to perform Yeah, I remember it was quite a good story myself and Ryan were ready to ride in the Melbourne Cup yeah. I was riding Simon and I can't remember what Ryan was riding but we tied our caps and their phone book was out in front of us and we're tying our caps and oh, the two of us yawned <laughs> at the same time yeah. and, we're, and there was lads doing press ups and working out and me, me and Ryan yawned before we went out yeah so that'll just give you an idea that um, it, the pressure doesn't get to Ryan, and I was lucky it didn't get to me. Yeah. It didn't really bother me what race we went out in. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai. Wanted to specify talking about a couple of the horses that I'm sure you're looking forward to riding in the Brookhouse colours. Uh, we touched on Somerville Boy earlier on. He is heading, staying over hurdles, yeah. and you were saying heading to Newcastle would be yeah. his first border call? Fighting fifth is the plan to start him. Uh, hopefully we get some rain before then. But, um, yeah, he's in great order, and touch wood, we get the rain and he'll go there, yeah. What do you think of the, the champion hurdle picture? Of course, Bouvardet is a horse you know pretty well, having won the champion hurdle a, a couple of years ago. Um, how does it look to you, and how winnable is it with Somerville Boy? Yes, yeah, it's... it's it's obviously a very hard race to win, but um, I think it's more open now again with Sam Crow the other day, and um, obviously Lorena has to come out and prove she can step up again. Um, Somerville Boy has got to step up again, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's still a, it's a wide open race again. Obviously, Bouvardier, I think Bouvardier is an exceptionally good champion hurdler. Um, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Why is that? Why do you think he doesn't get the credit? I think the fact that he went chasing probably before he won his first champion hurdle, people thought, oh, he's an obvious chaser yeah. going back. Um, but I think he was a very, very good novice, um, tour behind Altior and his novice, yeah. when he ran two free probably for the first half of the race, yeah. and then he won the grade one at entry as a novice after that, and then went chasing, tried that, won his two novice chases, yeah. but Nicky Henderson rightly decided to go back over hurdles, won his champion hurdle, and I think he won quite well that day, and... Mm -hmm. um, He's, he's as quick a jumper of a hurdle as I've ever ridden. He's very, very slick over a hurdle. Yeah. And um, I think he probably doesn't get deserved the credit. And he probably won that. He probably wasn't right last year. That was probably his worst performance, I thought, last year. Winning the, the champion hurdle. Winning the champion hurdle. Yeah. But he still won. And that's the sign of a good horse. So yeah. he put up bad, that bad display and still won. You know, I think he's a hell of a good horse. And I think he's the one we all have to beat still. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai. Joining us on the phone, live from Melbourne, is Marwan Kukash. Marwan, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. Thank you so much. What time is it there? It's about just about uh, 10 minutes past 10 in the evening. And, oh, um, 
I'm having to have a lot of coffee to dilute the amount of gin and tonic in my stomach oh. so that I could have a, a sensible conversation with you. A, a sensible conversation, indeed, we, we hope to have with you. Actually, it's, it's the, the lack of sense that I think makes it so attractive in talking to you, Marwan, especially with All the... All right, well, well I'll, uh, <laughs> I could still do that as well. <laughs> well, it's, it's the impending celebrations, should Magic Circle do the business, uh, in less than 48 hours at, at uh, Flemington in the Melbourne Cup. Uh, just being yeah. serious for a minute, how is the horse? How confident are both you and Ian feeling? Mate, the horse, I, I went to see him this morning, and he looks far better than he's ever uh, looked uh, back in England. The horse covered very well, lost only 8-9 kilos on the flight, which he put back within 48 hours. His coat is brilliant. Um, Corey Brown rode him two three times, and he's absolutely delighted. We've got him spot on, and... Um, some people might think the guest is not ideal. The guest number 17 is not ideal. I think it's a good draw for us because had we been drawn anything between 1 and 10, Rishi, you know the horse very well. He's not the quickest away. Yeah. We could have ended up being shuttled right with, uh, to the back. But where we are, the guest 17 will have an option by either going forward or uh, sitting back. Well, so just... we, we all delighted with him. The trainer, the jockey and the crazy owner. <laughs> just just tell me, when did the crazy owner decide that he was going to purchase this horse and aim it at the Melbourne Cup? How long has this project been in the planning? Mate, can we take, uh, uh, say something else to the viewers? You love the name Magic Circle, don't you? I do love the name Magic Circle. I did tell you that my, my, the first horse my father ever owned back in 1977 uh -huh. was called Magic Circle. So ever since this horse has been running, I've been following him very closely. So I am personally a big fan of your horse, uh, and I'm hoping he runs well. But when I saw you, I think, uh, was it late last year or early about this year? Earlier, about a year ago. About a yeah. year ago. The you had a... We bought him. Yeah. So it's been a year I mean, in the, the planning. I bought the horse is... In 2017, he was so unlucky in running and still managed to finish fifth in the Chester Cup. Yeah. My target every year is to win the Chester Cup. And I thought, had he had a better luck or a little bit of luck, he could have won that cup quite easily. And I remember sitting with you at the hotel yeah. and saying to you, this horse could win the Chester Cup. And I don't think you've, you've agreed with me then. But the manner in which he won the Chester Cup, and I'm not sure he had an extremely good drive, but the turn of foot in him, mate, he, he, he was just going away from the rest of the field. Yeah, I did, I did actually. And that's when I started thinking, you know, this horse could make the Melbourne Cup. I, I do but, confess um, to saying to you, Marwan, that I didn't think he had the speed to, to get around Chester and, and win the Chester Cup. Yeah, I, uh, I know, mate, but sorry. Uh, Williams must have done something to him. Yeah. But obviously he didn't have that speed. And well, two weeks later, he went to Sandown, and he's done exactly the mm. same to group horses this time. And that's when it, myself and everybody started thinking of him not just a Melbourne Cup runner, but could be a Melbourne Cup winner. Uh, and Moa, just, just remind everyone of the promises you've made should Magic Circle win the Melbourne Cup. 
might, uh, you know, that, that some authorities could certify me as a crazy person. You know, for the racing uh, world back in at home and the rugby world would uh, certify me as a crazy person. It's one celebration I've always wanted, but I wanted to reserve it for a very special race. I've won the Chester Cup four times. The race that I want to win now more than anything else is the Melbourne Cup. And it's going to have a very special uh, celebration in which I'm going to step down to my G-strings. I'll keep my G-strings and I'll keep my tie, shoes, uh, socks, and I'll go up and receive the trophy from the governors of uh, Victoria. Thanks for, are you working out, by the way? Yes, I have, and I have been working out. I look a lot more desirable now than I've ever done uh, in the last 10 years or so. I lost more than 25 kilos. Wow. Even when I look at myself in the mirror now, I quite fancy myself. Well, we are all hopefully going to see evidence of that, Marwan, on Tuesday morning. You will, mate. I'm very confident that will happen. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, and very best of luck to you, Corey, uh, Ian, and, of course, Magic Circle himself. Mate, it would be great to bring the cup to, to Britain for the first time. Marwan Kukash, thank you so much. Good luck in the Melbourne Cup on uh, Tuesday morning at Flemington. Uh, a great character. Lovely to hear from him. Um, it, it will be the most extraordinary celebrations should this horse win. And I think apart from anything else, I want to see the horse win for that reason. I cannot believe that this is going to happen, that he's going to go through with it. Can you remember anything quite like... I should have let him up for the trophy, would he? <laughs> <laughs> I actually rode Marwan's first ever runner in Haydock. Really? And what he was, was he like then? And he's in the paddock, very nervous, and he said, whatever you do, don't finish last. Don't finish last. <laughs> so remember dropping my hands, going to the line, and one came by me, and I finished last. I remember giggling, coming in. <laughs> but he could only improve from that. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai. That's it for this week's podcast. I'm pleased to say that Nick Luck has been booked to be back in the hot seat next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai.